0: Number 166 of the Socially Distanced Podcast, our Keep It Secret, Keep It Safe mini series covering Secret Invasion. As you guys can tell by now, I am not Bill Botkin, but we are super excited for him. He is enjoying the lovely sights of Paris, rubbing it in with the glorious French food, some of the best pizza I've seen on social media so far, and a McCafe, a true McCafe. But Bill, we miss you. He will be back next week. But here I am, your human Star Wars encyclopedia, Amanda Rivas, filling in, being the scroll for Bill Botkin at this point. But I can't be a scroll alone. I got to have my fellow scrolls with me. So first of all, I just want to, of course, super excited, super grateful and super thankful to have the director of our podcasting network on the potbreak.com, Alex Marcus, joining me as a fellow scroll on this journey. How are you doing, Alex?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to get to talk about Secret Invasion with you.
0: I know. This is going to be such a great episode to talk about, too. And of course, so much,
1: so much going on.
0: So there's so much here. We're all still processing it, guys. We all, we're, we recorded a little early. So we have just all finished watching this and we are processing and absorbing the glory that is episode three betrayal much
1: like uh many people absorbed bullets in this episode of the tv show
0: and they do not have Groot's healing powers so here we go (laughs) (laughs) but we can't do this without our resident guest the man the myth the legend one of the the co-hosts of one of my favorite podcasts ever not couple goals with one of my favorite human beings as well ali nelson his beautiful wife I love them both. They're amazing. Tyler McCarthy, we love
2: you. Welcome back. Hello. That's so sweet. Allie Allie loves every time she hears that you've complimented her on the podcast. (laughs) We love you too, (laughs) Amanda. I'm sitting here with two of the best guests we've had on our podcast as well. Um, Hopefully, Bill, wherever you are, we love you. Hopefully, you're listening to this on the plane ride back to us. And uh, you were also a a favorite guest.
0: Well, we're going to pregame here with some early review information the next installation of one of the series that we have the movie series we've just covered here recently one of our favorite franchises here mission impossible dead reckoning hits theaters a week from today july 12th wow. early reviews are in 98 percent rating on rotten tomatoes 84 reviews so far so that's still pretty good still pretty high um and of course some of the early film critic reviews people are calling it the best mission yet action filmmaking at its finest there's a lot of hype here, guys. What's the hype level that y'all have now that these reviews are starting to leak out a little bit? Y'all are seeing things on social media. I mean, are are we still feeling pretty pumped about Mission Impossible? Do you guys even care about Mission Impossible? Like what's kind of your your thought process there? So Alex, I'm going to start with you because you've been on with us before for it. So what are your thoughts now?
1: yeah i mean i'm excited that it's getting good reviews that's that's encouraging i didn't doubt that i mean you know the macquarie era has been very consistent in terms of uh, critics responding well to it so i didn't i didn't doubt that we would get good reviews but i'm happy to see it i'm most excited though because i briefly panicked today because i thought that the movie came out this weekend and i wanted to rewatch fallout beforehand and i did not have time to do that this week and so i was like oh no what am i gonna do and then i realized oh, it's not until next week so i'm very excited that the reviews are out but i still have time to watch fallout for a second time before i get to to see the new magical movie i mean i'm just i'm most excited because of the supporting cast and i haven't read anything about what uh people are saying about the supporting cast but like i love that poem clementief is in it i love that hallie uh, atwell is in it so i'm really excited that my marvel faves are in, in inserting themselves in this this universe
0: reviews for hallie are very good so far. I'm hearing good no good things doubt. about her performance. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Of course. She's, of course. Of course. So to answer that question, it's good so far for Hallie. So Tyler, what do you think?
2: Um, yes, I love the Mission Impossible franchise. Again, shout out to my wife for getting me hooked on them. I hadn't seen them before we met. Um, you know, she showed me all of them. She was like, just just hang on until you get to three. And I did, and I'm so glad I did. Um I'm really hyped for this movie. It's it's um it was lovingly crafted during the pandemic, as we all know, like this was a hard movie to get made. And, you know, they this what I like about this franchise compared to I, the the most easiest comparable franchise to reach for would be like the Fast and the Furious movies in terms of an action franchise that continues to top itself. But like this is like, you know, like like Mission Impossible is like an aged wine, whereas the Fast and the Furious are like a monster energy drink. It, it's <laughs> There's a big difference. And, um, I'm super stoked for this as for like the ratings being so, or the, yeah, the reviews being so good out of the gate, we were talking a little bit off mic and I was like, I wonder how much of that is bolstered by Scientology, but it seems there's a few like reputable critics who are really into the movie and I can see why, like we all need a great summer blockbuster right now. Um, you know, other than Oppenheimer and, uh, 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 which is a movie that Barbie everyone's talking about Barbie.
0: Yeah, Barbie? Ah, and, and Barbie.
2: We've got Indiana yeah. Jones coming out. Like, we've and, got a lot yeah. of good summer movies, but nothing crafted the way these Mission Impossible movies are crafted.
1: It's true. I well, agree. And Hollywood needs Mission Impossible to be big because Indy flopped at the box office. Yes. Mm. I know we're gonna, you guys are going to be talking about it, uh, I think, next week on the podcast. Um, hopefully, people get a chance to watch it. I am not going to be on that episode, so I want to just briefly say... i really liked it i thought it was a good movie i think people are sleeping on it but uh nobody showed up to see it this weekend uh so that's a bummer and uh you know uh, oppenheimer and barbie let's see if they are big box office successes uh they both have uh potential but also potentially are not gonna do so well you know so uh yeah everybody needs to go see mission impossible uh or else i guess uh blockbuster filmmaking is over at at least that's what the the headlines online (laughs) are saying
2: so sure
1: i'm glad the reviews are backing it up
2: yeah
0: well i'm I'm pumped for it too i'm i'm here i'm ready the last three movies have been awesome it's just it's one of those franchises again you know just better aged wine was was the perfect (laughs) the perfect (laughs) um analogy I'm still laughing inside about the monster energy drink because <laughs> I was probably like chugging the energy drink right now because it's, we know how much he loves Fast and Furious. So, um,
2: Oh, and I love Fast and the Furious, I'd, but, Oh yeah. But
1: what kind of wine makes you throw yourself off a cliff? I I'd like to know <laughs> Cabernet because, Oh, okay, good. All right. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a
0: dark, I'm a dark, like dry red wine drinker. So a Malbec mm. is a good one for me or a Tempranillo. Okay. I'm, I'm there uh you know and of course i get super pumped and now all of the buzz is back about the opening scene with tom cruise and like the next big stunt and that always hypes you a little bit because we've talked about it before with, with with our cover with our recent coverage it's you know tom cruise is just taking on deadlier and deadlier and scarier stunts and as kind of terrifying as it is to an extent it's intriguing too because it's almost built into the lore of this franchise now so it's it's you know, and, and now you're hearing all the, the buzz about, well, well, they filmed this first just in case he died making it. And it's like, oh, <laughs> he yeah. you know, and it's just it's it's and, I feel that that adds to the hype a little bit for me. And
2: while I do love that spectacle, like I, I forget which movie it was where he like clings to the side of the plane and it's an awesome shot. It's the big stunt of the movie. But Tom, buddy. The the movie works without it. Like, you can not put your life in danger. I'll say half as much as you do for the Mission Impossible franchise, and that's, they'll still that's work. actually
1: not even the most dangerous thing he does no. in Rogue Nation that because he also uh, pushed himself to like break the world record of holding his breath underwater on oh, yeah. Um and definitely almost died doing that. Uh, let's never forget that he is allegedly a leader of a cult and maybe that is informing some of yeah. his more uh, reckless behavior. The that's true. Maybe yeah. I think that he is, you know, anointed by some higher power to outlive any reckless stunts you might want to do. Um, allegedly. And, and that's another Thing. i'd
2: like him to stop proving that yeah
0: yeah that would that would be helpful that would be and you know to show that cardio stinks for just in general and not just no. not and you know not it doesn't skip him because i'm here like how do you still run at like six years
1: during fallout he ran on a yeah. broken, like a, ankle. an obliterated ankle like not even broken just completely obliterated and he still, and still finished the shot yeah
0: it's still the best running posture of all time
1: absolutely i don't oh, i don't man.
0: I don't I don't understand that to excellence. I did
1: see that he gave an interview today saying that he wants to be making Mission Impossible movies into his 80s like Harrison Ford is doing for Indiana Jones movies and Mm -hmm. I just would love to know what
0: stunt he's gonna do at
1: 80 uh just like he's gonna get up out
0: of a chair (laughs) he's gonna get up (laughs) out of a chair that's what's gonna happen he's gonna get out of a chair I did it today guys I did it and not I don't know I think it's just
1: gonna be a live action up all of a sudden you know
0: I can see that (laughs) oh 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 Oh, well that's gonna be the perfect way to transition into talking about i mean maybe tom cruise is a scroll guys i mean who can we trust nowadays and what better way to segue into episode three betrayal I mean, before,
2: we're, before we get too far okay. from it, the okay. Church of Scientology's tactics and the Scroll tactics are not that dissimilar from one another.
0: I'm just saying. I'm That's, just yeah. saying.
2: You're on to mean, something big here. It's not that far <laughs> off.
0: It's not that far off. I mean, no. there are millions of Scrolls on the planet and the church of scientology is a good friend i guess
2: i <laughs> don't think we, we can release this episode <laughs> no we're oh, definitely
1: getting canceled <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> uh, allegedly everything we're saying allegedly. is of course alleged. it's alleged. it's alleged. Yes. it's a legend we're all scrolls right, right now your famous cruise cake uh we yeah. love your movies
0: we do we love mission <laughs> impossible again we're here talking about how much we want to see your mission impossible movies, yeah. and it's going to be awesome so um also heard reviews for rebecca ferguson have been really really good too and again well, i'm I happy mean, to hear it because course. she was great she was great and and you just like, want that to continue it's the summer of rebecca ferguson
1: between this it and is. silo on apple tv plus you know hi i'm alex marcus podcasting director for the poprick.com i'm bill bodkin
2: pop Breaks editor-in-chief and I'm TV columnist Josh Sarnecki, and together we host TV Break. Break! Whether
1: you are looking for a freewheeling discussion on the latest Disney Plus release, an update on the latest season of Bake Off, or what's happening in the tumultuous world of streaming, stop on by the Pop Break TV podcast feed on the first Monday of every month to join in on the fun. Josh didn't get a second line, I'm sorry, Are you a diehard Marvel zombie who compulsively rewatches every movie and TV show you can get your hands on from the house of ideas? Or are you a new or lapsed Marvel fan looking for an excuse to finally catch up on what your buddies have been going on and on and on about for as long as you've known them? Then folks, do we have the show for you. Head over to the Pop Break Today podcast feed on all your favorite platforms to check out myself, Phil Potkin, and my co host Marcus on Bill vs. the MCU, where we review every single installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Along with a journey around the Marvel multiverses, where we check in on MCU-adjacent content like Netflix's The Defender Saga, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Fox's X-Men franchise, and so much more. New episodes premiere the second Tuesday of every month on ThePopBreak.com and the Pop Break Today
0: podcast feed. Hey everyone, I'm Michelle. And I'm DJ. And we host Roses and Rejections, a podcast that talks about all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Each week we'll give you our insights into the delicious mess that is the Bachelor franchise.
2: We also cover other reality shows and give you our hot takes on the good, bad,
1: and all the in-between. Catch us every Wednesday during the Bachelor season. Or every other Wednesday
0: while The Bachelor isn't airing. In the Pop Break TV feed, wherever you get your podcasts. So speaking of exciting TV... You guys, episode three. Ooh. Oh, we're still all here digesting this, mind you. Like, I know our, our listeners can't see us, but we are still sitting here, like, wow. And um, so it is, it is. Well, Wikipedia did not do me any favors this week because our first yeah. segment normally starts <laughs> off with holy shit, it's Nick Fury. Well, guess what? Holy shit, Wikipedia, where's my entry?
2: <laughs> That's the problem, no- doing it on That's the problem with Wikipedia. Still so nothing.
0: Yeah. Still so nothing. <laughs> but go back, read the Wikipedia entry when it comes out. I'm sure it will be hilarious, just like last week's was. But that gives us plenty of time to talk about some of our new characters in a segment we like to call Secret Invaders New Characters, guys. So, our big, to me, the main new character, begin to know priscilla fury a little bit guys no nah. yeah yeah so your thoughts on priscilla fury we got our question answered from last week we mm-hmm. know she's a scroll guys so i want to start off by asking a a, a a little bit more philosophical question because of course we see how you know nick fury meets uh, her real name vara um aka priscilla in a cafe She's just like, come, sit down over here. Are you waiting for somebody? She slides into this envelope. You know, they kind of kind of get a little flirty-flirty. I like your face, you know, a little, little flirt here. My question to you guys is, did he actually fall for the scroll, Vara? Or do you think he fell in love with this mystery face that she was wearing? It's a different mm. little philosophical question there. Because, I mean, he's talking about how attractive her face looks. I don't know. Your thoughts, Alex? What do you I think? I think
1: that we're seeing like i think that scene is the end of a long sort of like flirtatious will they won't they right and i think maybe her putting that face on that she maybe thinks he might be amenable to is like the last step it's kind of like you know uh going from texting to you know sending maybe a more illicit text being like you want to come over like that was kind of the vibe <laughs> so of that mess so, of that scene to me
0: so we're sending a snapchat is what we're getting sure we're getting a little, yeah, little snapchat yeah, exactly. filter put putting that, putting that filter on <laughs> Yes. And this is I the mean, episode Trouble's where I learned Alex is... knows
2: how to flirt.
0: I know. I'm like, all right, Alex. I love that text, huh? What's, what's, what's that second text about, huh?
2: <laughs> we're not no, ready we to slide into text, this dude's DM. <laughs> oh,
0: man. Oh, man. Uh, hi- good thing Tyler goes on
1: we're... here. He would not have been able to handle that.
0: <laughs> no. No. We should all Snapchat him just randomly now just because.
2: Yeah, I agree with Alex a lot because I do. I think it, we, it was implied that this was, yeah, the end of a long flirtation. And I like, think her adopting this uh, face that is attractive to him is kind of a move on her part. Like she knows him. She knows what he'll like. This is her moment of like this is her shooting her shot because I they also included that thing. It was a little Easter egg where she hands him intel that's going to help him take down. I forget the name, but I Googled it as soon as she said it. And it's the guy who ran the program that created Black Widow. Uh And so she's like, got the spy chops. She's one of his Skrull spies that Ben Mendelsohn like dresses him down about later. Um, You know, and so he, I think he first fell in love with her abilities. And then they were like, oh, well, I can't date because I'm your superior. And she's like, well, you're not, we can. And I got a sexy face now, so... You know, did this shot hit? Yes it did.
0: Yeah, I get I I was I was I was here like get it girl. You know what you want? Yeah. <laughs> you got it. You went after your man. You go for it. Um, you and know, I, I definitely with the flashbacks.
1: I believe that we find that the scrolls have come back and made their pledge to serve Fury in 1997, I believe, right? And then this so. is in 19 19- or it was either 1996 or 1997. I can't remember. But was it 90- I It was Captain- ninety
0: five, was wasn't it? Because it was they came around Captain well, Marvel took place in ninety five, right? Well,
1: Marvel took place in 1995, but then they definitely were away for at least a year. Ah, and, um, that's right. While they were looking for other planets, then didn't go well. Which I would love to learn <laughs> a little bit more about what that was all about. But yeah, so definitely, like I think, I think the first flashback from episode two put it in 1997, where they take the oh, they take the right. pledge, and now this is 1998. So she's been working with him for about a year. So they've developed a real kind of working relationship over that time, and I really like that they were that they found. A connection on the kind of spy craft level. Like yeah. I like that if Nick Fury has a wife, that she is a capable uh, spy master of her own. You know, I think a, a formidable uh, opponent as well as a, a lover is perfect for Nick Fury. So, so I liked that. But what did you think, Amanda?
0: I, I agree. I I like that she was able to hold her own. Like she was, she kept her sense of personality. She wasn't simping all over him. She was somebody that could match his his intellect. And that's intriguing guys. Like, uh, you know, he's, you could tell he's intrigued by the chase. You know, he's just somebody, I think with Nick Fury, you have to always outsmart people and you always have to think ahead and you're always ahead of the, and, and I feel like you need somebody on that same level that can either help you or help bolster that ability or hold your, somebody that can stand up to you and, you know, be strong, be independent. I, I think, you know, no wallflower would have done for Nick Fury. He would have been bored. Somebody to keep him in tree, to keep him on the hook. And she can, and she, she, she showed that. I mean, again, she, 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 she played her, she played her hand very well, very, very well. And it's just, uh, and I didn't realize until later on that she was the same scroll that introduced um, Gravik to Fury in the earlier episodes. So that's an interesting little connection, connection there. And so um, I liked that we got a little, a little taste of their, their initial courtship because here we come to present day and things are not well at the Fury household guys they're oh, uh, no. uh oof yeah that was a uh, we got some we got some uh, somebody's going stupid through a phone i'm sure here pretty soon and um but you guys you have this polite tension and you have Priscilla airing her feelings out about Nick being left or leaving her behind voluntarily the second time um yeah and just you know, Fury's saying, Hey, have you been in contact with Gravik? You know, what's, what's, where, where, who have you become since I've gone? They had that nice fiery exchange in the kitchen. Do you guys think that Fury is already aware? Is, do you think he's setting a trap for her at this point? Do you think he knows what she's going to be doing? Do you think he's planned I, ahead for this?
1: So I think
0: that she's
1: the one. With a plan, because I think that she very purposefully (laughs) left her cell phone in view of Fury uh, to kind of entice him to follow her tracks. And I think that's because she has committed herself to Gravik in his absence, right? Because she is trying to fight for her people. But I think she's probably given how capable and how smart she is and how, and the fact that she knew Gravik when he was a child, which I think is an important kind of like aspect to that relationship. Um, I think that she is kind of hedging her bets and doesn't really want to go all in on Gravik. And because of that she's kind of leaving a bread trail for fury to follow instead of just, you know, being a normal person and having a conversation because they're spies. So they can't just talk to each other about what's going on. Uh, so that's my, that's what I think is going on. And as far as, is he one step ahead? No, I think we've, at this point, Olivia Coleman was right. He is one step behind in every single episode of this, uh, and I don't think we're gonna get a grand reveal where it turns out actually he knew everything that was going on the whole time. I think he really is uh, out of step, and that and that's part of what's kind of compelling about uh, this performance because Samuel Jackson is always like the eternal kind of cool guy as Nick Fury and he truly feels out of control in a way where he's just like yelling at people now uh which I like it adds like a level of vulnerability that we <laughs> haven't seen in the character which I think is needed as a lead you know
0: Yeah no I I I agree I mean she she definitely has this number I mean you are not married to somebody for that long you haven't worked with them for that long to figure out how they work to figure out I mean that's, that's what happens when you have you have somebody you live with and they're with you all the time even when you're absent like you know you know, those habits, those long ingrained habits. And, um, and yeah, oh yeah, she, I, I agree. I was like, she left her phone there on purpose. Totally. I, I feel like, purpose.
2: I, I feel like in a relationship between two spies like this, you don't put anything on your phone. You don't want seen like, and you like, let alone just leave it there and leave the room right after he's grilling you about where your allegiances lie. That said, I do have a slightly different read on okay. the situation than Alex, which is, I don't think she's playing him. I think she left her phone on purpose as a cry for help, because when you look at that ending oh. scene, I feel like she is with Gravic, but reluctantly. She gets a call. She has to leave. Then she's in, they make it a point of showing her moving through the train station, and she's clearly being followed. That's not what you do right. when you're a, 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 a willing sleeper cell that's been activated. Gravic like needs her to do something. She clearly seems unsettled when she opens the lockbox and finds a gun in it. I think she wants Fury to help her, without being able to outright say it as much. And when it comes to Fury being like out of step now or a step behind or anything like that, I think that very well could be it. I think that could be true. I don't think necessarily we're going to get that scene where it turns out he was, you know, playing three D chess the whole time. But I do wonder if the show wants us to mistake Nick Fury being evenly matched with Nick Fury being, outgunned or outsmarted or having lost a step. I think what I do like about this show is we're getting scenes like we got with Ben Mendelsohn where he's telling him like, I'm the reason you're the mysterious Nick Fury who knows everything. Like that guy we met in Avengers 2012, like he knew everything and no one knew how. Now it's 2023 and we're learning how and it's a pretty cool explanation. But as a result, we're seeing a Nick Fury we've never seen before. A Nick Fury, not ill-equipped, but we're seeing how the sausage gets made a little bit. And I think the show wants us to think metagaming a little. The show wants us to think Nick Fury has lost a step when really we're just seeing him evenly matched for the first time.
0: Okay. I like that. I got my my conspiracy hat as well for this whole thing. But we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. God, um, I love
2: spy shit.
0: I know. I know. I'm like, there's so much. There's so much here. But we can start kind of delving. Let's, let's talk about Talos over here because, Tyler, you brought up a really important scene. And and really I, I feel like we're seeing a different side of Talos than we have so far in the franchise, in this series, we're seeing him again being more direct. Like we see this confrontation with Gravic, you know, they're supposed to parlay and he's like, You keep your daughter my daughter's name out of your mouth, like this whole, you know, just a whole different side. I mean, he's he's voicing, he's he's speaking out, which is really, really again, you have somebody who's been kind of a wallflower. Kind of a backseat to Nick Fury, kind of trying to play peacemaker with everybody, but yet here we are. Here we are. We got we got again stabbing Gravik in the hand. That was awesome. I'm like I was like yes, mm. um, and I mean not backing down from a room full of. He backed down a little bit, but not. You know, again, I think the old Talos would have just okay. I gave up. I'm good. You do whatever you need to do, but we see him even in a room full of scrolls that were hostile to him and friendly to Gravik still standing his ground but i think that scene with nick fury saying yeah you're you've been you've been taking all this credit all this time but without us it's not it's not all you it's us you are where you are you were like a what was it kind of floating around like a dead like a what do you say like a deadbeat or something in or a he was just stuck warmer bench warmer there we go i was like there's another term for it but bench warmer um <laughs> back in 1995 when we showed up um and just, you know, so you can say all you want that it was you, but it's us. And without us, even with the say the words, say the words, help me, Gravik. Or help me, Talos. I need you I'm nothing without you or something like that. What do you guys think of this this new side of Talos that we're seeing? I mean I mean, and where do you think are we gonna see this continue to happen going forward? Where do you think talos is gonna go from here? Now this this more assertive slightly more aggressive. I mean, he shoots Commodore over here. Like this is a different side of Talos. Tyler, what do you think?
2: Um, I think it's interesting. I think there's an interesting kind of power struggle at play because everyone keeps referencing how after the blip, Nick Fury went away and we can't discount that Nick Fury was just away because of the blip for five years. So that's a lot of time where Talos was running this show. Talos was the one trying to find the scroll people a place and he kind of lost that fight. Now Gravix in charge. Gravix got his job and Nick Fury even asks Talos at one point in this episode he's like why why didn't you like take his offer and he's like come on I'm I'm with you. That is the one thing you should know about me. I'm with you. I've chosen my side. So Talos has that loyalty and I think above all else he's going to stick to that, but he is kind of thinking like on the one hand I may have chosen the losing side, but I'm not ready to admit that yet. And then secondary to that, you know, uh, Nick Fury wants to come in like he's got all this plot armor, like he's the like he's the character the audience recognizes. (laughs) But where the rubber has needed to meet the road the past like eight years, that's been all Talos. And Talos also wants a little bit of credit for the fact that for his entire career, he's been the guy pulling the strings to make Nick Fury this larger than life figure that we see. And I think there's a power struggle at play talos has a way he does things and nick fury has a way he does things that's worked they've worked well together in the past but now there is kind of like all right fury like this is this is my fight i should be maybe taking point here especially since you've checked out quite a bit in the last few years
0: do you think he's do you think talos is right with what he said
2: to fury oh yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent, I agree oh, yeah. with Talos. He's, you know, no one. Do- Fury is looking a little. I think Fury's not without talent. Fury's not without spycraft. We've seen that time and again, but the reason he's like Nick mother effing fury guy who built the Avengers guy who knows everything before even Tony Stark does like that's cause he's got scrolls like working in his employ and he wouldn't have those scrolls if it wasn't for Talos Talos saying all these years, this guy's cool no matter how many times Nick Fury fails them.
0: Okay. Alex, I pose the same questions to you.
1: Yeah. So, I really like Ben Mendelsohn in this episode uh, I think that he is kind of coming into his own as the heroic lead of this show in a way that I think is much more interesting than what is going on with Nick Fury even though Nick Fury is our like main lead I think that the kind of the conflict within Ben Mendelsohn's Talos is very compelling the sense that he wants to fight for his people he, his people are so small in number that every single scroll uh, feels indispensable to him he doesn't want to turn his his uh, his gun against his fellow scroll, but he also is trying to hold the bigger picture in his hand at the same time, and that tension is really kind of tearing him apart at, and, you know, it, the family complications with his daughter, which we'll get into, adds, like, a heightened level to it. So I really like what's going on here. I also don't necessarily see it as a sort of, like, evolution of his character as much as us finally getting to know the character more, because we really only saw him in, you know, uh, in Captain Marvel, and kind of in far from home uh and in those in those installments, it's you know he's who he is and what his nature is is kind of a MacGuffin in Captain Marvel in the sense of like everything is or a mystery box i guess is more correctly stated because it's kind of like we think that he's this imposing figure but then it turns out that he is just this like he's a refugee who wants to find his family and then it's like so we don't really get a lot of time to know who he is truly as a person because so much of who he is is left as a big twist and a reveal and then we got like jump into the action but in that in that movie, he does make a point to say, you know, like, I like my hands are not clean in this conflict. I'm not necessarily a, a, an innocent in all of this. And I think that he has done uh, things that he regrets. And I think he's trying to, in his own way, prevent the Scroll people from going down the same road that he led them down all these years ago. And I think he's bringing all of that subtext to the performance in a really strong way. What I need the show to stop doing is have scenes where characters explain to Nick Fury who Nick Fury is because it's really annoying. (laughs) like let's do a little bit more showing and a little bit less telling on this it's incredibly frustrating uh that you have these these it's we're three episodes and we're halfway through the season and we still have this issue of you know uh people coming in and saying hey this is what uh Nick Fury is all about like you think you're a hot shit, but I really know who you are like and this is what you've been doing like these monologues are not well written I don't think I think. They're, they're well-performed, except for Maria Hill's uh, mom last scene, episode, which was just truly dreadful on all accounts. No disrespect to that actress. Uh, but yeah, I just think that these, these monologues are not well-written, and I think that we're always going, like, we, we're watching the show. We see that he is a step behind. We see that he's not who his reputation leads to be. We don't need every other scene to be someone reminding him that he is not who he should be in this moment.
0: Alex, you do you do bring up a good point because I was thinking the same in terms of the reminders. because we, we, we've heard it the first two episodes. Nick Fury's lost a step. Nick Fury's lost it. Nick Fury's lost it. And I agree. I think at this point we, we, we are well aware that Nick Fury has lost a step. We're we're good. Although I do appreciate this this I do appreciate Talos myself speaking up for himself and saying, Yeah, we're gonna call you out. Yeah. I feel like that was a, a slightly different, you know, with Tyler. I think it's a slightly different interpretation but i agree with you that wholeheartedly that I, i'm good i'm fully well aware that nick has lost a step the audience has not lost a step we're, we're here yeah <laughs> nick has nick has but not us you, we're here
1: you think that they're just like writing it for the people who are watching it at like 4 a.m when it drops on disney plus <laughs>
0: <laughs> probably you know the people like me that would have gotten up at two to see it although i, yeah. I slept in i thought about it it was there but yeah. yes, I, I I think that is I think it is for them in general. But um but yeah, I, I agree that it's 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 we're getting to see Talos for who he is and getting to know him. And and yes, his hands are bloody. You do things you don't want to do to protect your people, to find a nation. I mean, nations aren't built on you know sunshine and roses and happiness and joy. There's blood, sweat, and tears that go into it. Um and I, I also commend ben Mendelssohn because one i love him i loved him in rogue one as director krennic he's one of my favorite characters supporting characters in the series or the movie um and just you know i think he gives a very nuanced performance here and i'm glad he's getting his moment to shine because you have somebody who's agonized but yet who's very who's giving these very human emotions too like he's getting upset about his daughter like and that's something i think a very it's a very human thing to do you know and just to react and not think through um you know kind of the the actions like i guess somebody who is not human would you know they would probably stop and think more so than we, than us as human beings would um but i mean great performance all the way around and just yeah please keep it coming just please don't tell us that nick
2: fury has lost it again because i will lose it and- and I also I, I in addition to characters not like Alex said, brilliantly not telling Nick Fury who he is, I also need Nick Fury to you know, he's he's got some explaining to do in ter- to the to his wife, who he just left, yes. to Ben Mendelsohn, to all the scr- uh, Skrulls. I was about to say Scrubs. To all the scrolls. <laughs> and, like, we're three episodes into a six-episode series. <laughs> I love the pace that this show is moving at, with the exception of that. Like, Nick Fury, let's get this speech out of the way. Why did you leave after the blip? Because everything's really fucked up because of it. So let's, let's get there.
0: And also, hopefully we do. Hopefully I gotta we do. say...
1: I think it's interesting that there's so much emphasis on the fact that he's been gone for three years since the blip. And now, to be fair, that means in total, if you're doing your math, uh, he's been gone for eight years, which is a long time. And I feel like that's almost getting underplayed, the eight years. People keep talking about the three years. Mm -hmm. And it's like, really, it was eight years that he was gone. It makes more sense when you think about people's motivations for the fact that he was gone for eight years. Like Talos has been on his own with this for eight years. That's a long time. But let's not forget that he also uh, officially died in 2014 during Winter Soldier. And then we don't really we see him again in Avengers Age of Ultron, where he is fully still in Cognito mode, like no one knows that he's alive. He just pops up on Hawkeye's farm to give some sage wisdom to our guys (laughs) before uh, showing up with a Helicarrier. I don't know if like because he was involved in Helicarrier, that was his big coming out uh, again, Uh, but we don't really see him after that until, you know, in infinity war in the mid-credits scene where he is running some sort of off books operation that is unclear and gets dusted so i'm really curious how long has he actually been absent from the world in like if you think about like the last like 15 years in universe has he been mia or dead or in space or dusted for like 10 out of those 15 years i think maybe so if Uh, i think the status oh, so I, quo, like if you're the scrolls, you're probably really pissed at that point, yeah, you know?
2: This is true. This is such a I, true. I think when it comes to like his public uh, appearance, big public in like the biggest air quotes one can muster in the spy world that Nick Fury traffics in. But yeah, you I know do all think...
1: those famous spies that we all know. <laughs>
2: but he, he did seem to have a a shield presence in Spider-Man uh far from home, even though it ended up being a scroll. It did seem like the 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 spy world was hip to Nick Fury being around and and handling some uh, operations and having a small Shield contingent and things like that. That whole thing
1: is a continuity mess because <laughs> if you remember, in No Way Home, when Peter Parker is being interrogated uh, by the Division of Damage Control, um, he's like, "I was just working with Nick Fury," and the agent was like, "Well, Nick Fury's in space; he's not he's not on Earth." And you're just like, "Wait, so then why?" Oh, you're was right. He- pretending why well, was Talos pretending to be nick fury with this big operation of people if the government knew that he like what like that it adds like a whole other level of complication that like this show definitely isn't interested in dealing with and i'm glad because like that would be a mess Was yeah. it just to nick get fury spider-man to do all of very that? confusing
0: <laughs> possibly possibly yeah. but wow. uh, we'll, we'll save that for our we're getting there to our conspiracy theory oh, yeah. hats here because I, I think i've got a, my theory on that on. but let's talk about so we have talos you know they of course talos and you know nick fury they break into this commodore uh, commodore fairbanks's house to stop you know this this the submarine launch a submarine attack on on a un flight um that, that would have started world war three and you have talos who gets upset you know, he's, of, of course, telling Nick Fury, like, let's let's see if there's another way we can try to get him to give us the, the, the abort password. Um, and then, you know, Fairbanks starts kind of berating him about, you know, well, this is what happens, you know, you're with traitors and, you know, kind of gives them this kind of this speech and kind of chastising Talos. But then you also have Fairbanks calling out, you know, well, is your traitor, your daughter a traitor? What do you get? Brings up Gia. And all of a sudden, Talos, to me, a little uncharacteristically, just shoots and kills <laughs> Commodore Fairbanks. Guys, my question to you, and I'm going to start tinfoiling it here. Do you think that was done on purpose? Or do you think that was just pure reaction from Talos?
1: On purpose by like Fairbanks? Like, like just,
0: no, just, just by Talos saying, you know, again, because who do we trust here? Who do we oh. trust here? Mm. I,
1: I believe any- that. I believe that Talos is earnest in trying to save that man's life. That he is, uh, he is objecting to Nick Fury roughing him up. He doesn't want to spill scroll blood because there's so few of them left, and he has like a genuine uh, solidarity feeling with them. And he believes. You see him in the. It, it, it's a callback to the other scene that we had in episode one, where he's yes. where Nick Fury kills the guy after the interrogation that goes wrong. There's this sense that Talos believes that he can convince any scroll that he is in the same room with to side with him. And he doesn't want to give up on that because he feels like he is the moral conscious of his people and he needs to convince them to, that they are just being misled by Gravik and he needs to pull them to the light. So I think that that was real. And I think he just has like a he's a bit of a hothead when it comes to his daughter because his daughter did betray him and her allegiances are really complicated. It seems like she's working for him now, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we can get into that in a few minutes. I think the show hasn't necessarily done a great job of kind of exploring that in a way that's coherent. Um, but I think it's a hot, it's a, it's a hot button issue for him in a way that I think just caused him to lose control. And I think it means a lot more in that scene that he did lose control because you see him so desperately trying to keep control of the situation for so long. And then he just blows a stop as soon as guy's name comes up.
2: What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, yeah I totally agree. I think uh, I'm glad Alex, you mentioned that scene in episode one, because yeah, he didn't want to kill that guy, even though that guy was very much, willing to kill human beings willing to help get uh, with this big terrorist attack. He thought there is a way to do this without spilling scroll blood. Same deal. They're trying to stop this uh, submarine from firing on this UN that will, this UN plane that'll start world war three. He's still like, there's a way to do this without spilling sc- scroll blood. And I think the only times we've seen him really go unhinged are when Gaia's name is brought up like in that restaurant scene. I absolutely loved how both times the first time he like grabs Graphic by the lapels and he realizes everyone in the restaurant is a Skrull and he's like, OK, I'll cool down. Then graphic he actually says exactly what Alex was saying, which is, you know, if I'm in, if I, people are going to see that I'm the moral compass, that my my way is the way that this is how the Skrulls are going to get. Uh salvation gonna get the home that they so desire is by following me. And then Gravic mouths off and mentions Gaia one more time, and he's like, Fine, well, great. Now you've now you've got a hole in your hand. I will fight you and 40 other you's if you mention my daughter again. Um, so that's his trigger, and he didn't want to kill that guy who had the passcode, but he brought up Gaia. So guess what? Bullet through the chest. That's what's ha- that's what happens. And now I think. A lot of this episode was establishing walls, barriers, uh, um, you know, rules that uh, Talos has, uh, and all of them go away when Gaia is in danger. And now, after what happened to Gaia, I wonder what kind of guy we're going to see. What kind of... I mean, he's going to... I think he's going to go unhinged. He's going to just start killing anyone like everyone's fair game and we're gonna see what talos is really made of when he does not have these loyalties to fury these loyalties to the Skrulls. he's just a guy who's lost everything and very capable
0: you know just to add on to to that whole scene you know you had nick fury basically yelling over like are you gonna do it and i'm just like dude you're making talos aggravated you're not helping the situation at all so I'm like, no wonder this guy get this this dude in the chair gets shot because Nick Fury won't shut up. <laughs> you know, I'm just here like, what? <laughs> let, let him let Talos do his thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, Type A. That was my whole. I don't think that helped either. But let's talk about Gaia as a trigger. And Alex, I think you brought up an excellent point because I was thinking the same thing about how you know we were you know last episode we were talking about you know where were Gaia's loyalties like is she with Gravik is she with her dad like you saw you kind of saw this it was a very gradual shift to helping her dad to where now she's full-blown helping her dad and they don't really talk about that there's no there's no direct dialogue or there's no father-daughter other father-daughter scene you know building other than the one encounter they've had but I mean you know you guys do you, do you think maybe all of this time was she undercover for her dad was this kind of a recent thing like wh- what are your how I mean how, what is your interpretation of the relationship at this point knowing all of this
1: yeah so um, i can't i can't believe that she was always in with her dad because she has a very private conversation with him where he reveals that her mom has died as a way to kind of like get her defenses down. So it doesn't make any sense that that would have just been for our benefit as an audience, you know, and they yeah. were really in on it the whole time. Like, so it can't be that. It seemed like what the show was playing at was, okay, like she, he tells her this, that that Gravik is responsible for her mother's death. And that kind of puts a little bit of a crack in the armor that she has. And it starts to seep out and she, find, she starts to explore on her own and she's going to be this rogue agent kind of stuck between both sides. But then that was episode two. And then in episode three, it's just like an entirely different take on the character where she's like in lockstep with him, feeding him information. And what, apparently, And what I don't know how that kind of works with what we saw in episode two. It feels like they're trying to like move the ball in a way that's supposed to be mysterious and generate tension, but it ultimately is incoherent storytelling because maybe they're just not as good as they think they are at telling these sorts of stories. And I will say I'm, I'm liking this show a decent amount i like spy thrillers uh a decent amount and i just feel like examples like this are why the show is just slightly below the caliber that it really should be is like they should have been able to figure out how to make us question people's loyalty without just kind of being incoherent in the storytelling right and i feel like they're not nailing it with gaia tyler your thoughts
2: yeah i kind of agree um I thought one of the more interesting things we talked about last week was, you know, whose side is Gaia on? And I my interpretation in episode two was she's kind of on her own side. She's powerful enough uh, in the spycraft trade to, you know, be be her own faction, deal with this information the way she will. And I thought that was going to be kind of an interesting line for her to straddle. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, yeah, it's immediately in this episode. She's clearly feeding information to her dad at great risk to herself. The only thing that gives me. Some hope is a bit of a a tinfoil hat thing. And I don't want to get into that, you know, too quickly. Uh, I guess I'll save it for the next uh, 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 segment. But yeah, this was disappointing to see that if everything is as it seems, if she is actually dead, which it looks like she is, um, you know, this whole time she was just a motivator for Talos, uh, which is a bit of a bummer because I saw her being a bit more than that. Um, and you could read it two ways. You don't hire Amelia Clark just to kill her off halfway through the show, or you hire Amelia Clark uh, so you don't have to pay her for the extra three episodes. It could go either way from a meta gaming standpoint. but well,
0: I mean she she already got kind of she already got the shaft in Game of Thrones. We won't talk about that, but yeah. there we go. <laughs> she already got done dirty Wait, at the end of Game of Thrones. She so.
1: quite literally got the shaft in Game of
0: Thrones. <laughs> she, she oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh Oh, man. oh, bless you, Alex. Bless you. <laughs> somewhere <laughs> Bill's head is
2: exploding. <laughs>
0: um, but I I'm with you guys. i I feel like this is such it was such a weird. I'm hoping maybe we get a flashback next episode or something to clear this up because i'm like you went from like tyler you had an excellent viewpoint last week it's she's kind of doing her own thing she's trying to mm. do her own investigation. she's trying to piece things to make up her own opinion even though you see her loyalty wavering you know you see her kind of questioning like you know, she has this difficult relationship with her dad it's complicated um and, you know and i'm like this seems how did this get resolved like i i you know in this and the runtime for this episode i think all the others were almost an hour this one was 43 minutes and i'm like and that's
1: including all of the kind of like disney plus extra credit so it's really more like a 35 it's a 30 i think it was
0: 37 i think i was. i think i timed it at 37 and i'm like you guys had an extra 20 minutes where we could have filled in some of these gaps like I, i again maybe there's a flashback coming or like we talked about i mean we 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 see her get shot you know very bravely by the way you know, I, I kudos to that. I mean, she was yeah. like, face me. I'm like, heck yeah, girl. I like, face me if you're going to do it, you know? Um, and I mean, it looks like she might be dead. I mean, guys, what do you, what do you think about, you know, Tyler, you've already started kind of going down that road, but you know, tell me a little bit more about, you know, let's put the tinfoil hat cause we're, let's just, let's just dive let's right do in. It. Let's do it. Tinfoil hat. What are your thoughts? Let's start with Gaia. So Tyler, tell what? us, tell us what you were going to. first
2: first i just want to say i did love the way he was like turn around so i can execute you and she was like no that always bugs me in movies when they're like turn around and the person just does like well i'm sorry my last act on this earth earth is to make your job easier fuck you but
1: (laughs) i think it also (laughs) might be like it's it's easier for someone else to just get shot without literally staring down the barrel of a gun you know like i feel like if i'm in that situation i maybe don't want to know exactly when it's coming you know i
2: I get I'm maybe I'm just defiant like the last the last thing on this earth I want to do is obey the last direction of the guy killing me. Yeah, well, the that,
1: thing I don't get is when they make people just dig their own graves. I'm like, if you're gonna kill me, just fucking kill me. I'm not gonna, do, yeah. I'm not gonna do manual labor before I get killed. <laughs> you're gonna have to dig a grave.
0: <laughs> well, and I, I think it's just like an awesome F you to like somebody who you obviously know has killed a lot of people and is just kind of this terrible person, and you're just like, you know what? Yeah, stick it. You know, it just, it just, uh, you know, and the words of DX. From a WWE reference, here you go. Suck it. Um, there it is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. So I agree with you, Tyler. I love. I love well, that whole
2: thing. So so tinfoil hats going on. Uh, it's very hot with it on, but that's fine. Um, the thing I was going to say, it's not much, but this episode sort of took the the idea that in the last episode, Gaia was the one to give up the butcher shop location. Um, you know, and you know that's that. It's pretty obvious. She gets out of the car. She tricks the guy into staying there. She goes around back. Bob's your uncle. You know the the location is given up. But then in this episode, when Fury calls, um, uh, uh what's Sonia? So yeah, Sonya. he calls her. She mentions, oh, I've got a bit of a traitor in my midst. Like someone gave up the butcher shop location while I was doing some of my best work. I'm like, well, okay, so you know, and it's the actor who, um, I don't know his name. He's a good actor. I just know him as the guy who played Van Gogh in one episode of Doctor Who back in 2015 uh, or 2011, rather. Um, but he's like, he's an actor. He's a person, person, and so I'm wondering if you know th- that was at play. And Gaia, you know, maybe there's more to Gaia. Maybe she's not a hundred percent on their side maybe for some reason something else was going on behind that butcher shop and she wasn't off giving away the location and whatever was actually happening is going to explain how she ended up getting caught so, faking her death maybe I don't know
1: I have a point of clarification though because I think you're confusing two things Tyler so uh-huh. so Olivia Coleman is talking about the butcher shop uh being exposed because uh Gravick knows that she's there and comes to get her guy but what what uh, Amelia Clark exposed was the safe house that they were going to right. after the butcher shop. So they're two oh. separate leaks that they're talking about.
2: Oh, I see. Okay. Well, either way, maybe she ran into that uh, British operative behind the scenes and they've cooked something up independently. Uh, but yes, thank I, I you, think, Alex. I was absolutely yes, confusing no two different things.
1: <laughs> I think that we're, I think that like, you know, pretty much every episode has started out with flashback. And I think that episode four is going to start with a flashback um, f- shading in some information about what Gaia has been up to. Um, that's going to clarify some things because right now we don't have any idea why she uh, exposed where the safe house was, except that it seemed to cost them more time. Right. And I'm thinking that maybe she's working with someone else on- in the camp Uh She's research. We do see her researching the secret scroll formula. Um, I think she's working with somebody in the camp, and I think that when off screen, uh, that person helped get her the secret uh, scroll powers um either oh. already or is going to like rescue her as she's on her deathbed and put her in the machine and that's <laughs> what the deal is because right now we have no reason there's no there's no explanation as to why she wanted them diverted from the safe house it seems like there's no been no benefit to that so i think we're going to find out in the flashback that that like she was working with maybe the scientist to, like you know maybe the scientist is not totally on board with gravic and wanted amelia clark in there uh and that's and i think we're gonna get there because there's no way in the world that Amelia Amelia Clark is done with the series as of episode three. And yeah, they're not yeah. just going to like fill in flashbacks. Like she's joining the MCU. She's not going to be dead halfway through her sh- first entry.
2: That's a right. great theory because yeah? why else would they establish the extremis in his hand uh, in yeah. this episode? That's exactly. such a great theory, Alex. And I, don't I wonder... think what
1: it will let us do is have a, have most of next episode be Talos on a rampage thinking that she's dead while we are learning how she actually has superpowers now mm-hmm. and then she'll probably yeah. like, come in and like at the last minute kind of pull her dad back from the edge that's what i think is is going to be going that's down good, in episode that's four. a
0: really really good theory i wonder if sonia is the one she's working with because olivia coleman's character because they keep bringing her in a lot she's been in the periphery so far minus the awesome torture scene because again, I Olivia hope, Coleman. I mean,
1: she just has like one heat check scene every episode. And I mean, obviously, if she just keeps doing that, but it would be nice for her to get like sucked into the main well, plot at some point.
0: <laughs> and I, and when I feel like, again, you don't bring in Olivia Coleman without again if you want to bring in a to torture people that's totally fine because she's great at it like she just made yeah. it like everyone's favorite aunt tortures someone and you know it's kind of <laughs> terrible um because i was like wow that's so mixed she's like ah oh, it's very pleasant let's go ahead and you know that was that that scene was totally she's creepy but great
1: the time of her life she it's is un- unbelievable
0: she is that's a whole different <laughs> level it. of terrifying but you don't bring <laughs> her in like amelia clark you don't bring them in without a purpose like a major purpose again olivia coleman has quite the accolades to her name she brings her star power with her so i'm wondering if there's something cooked up between these two
1: I think that she's there as a mis. I'm hoping that she's there as a misdirect to the audience who are going to think, oh, she's also secretly a scroll and working for Gravik. and then we're going to find out that that's not the case. I really hope that that's what's going on because if if it ends up that she just is working with Gravik, that would be so boring and that would be oh, like the would. least interesting choice. So I hope that she's there to kind of be a bit of a misdirect right now, and then it is revealed to be more interesting
0: down the line. Hmm. Well, let's talk about super yeah. scrolls, guys we got that tease we're getting it super scrolls gravic mentions this plan again we've already seen you know the was it groot um uh i'm like i'm getting there you go call obsidian and um yeah we're seeing even um was it one of the frost giants the, yeah, the, fro-
1: the frost beasts frost beasts. that's can, what it was yeah. can never let uh, thor the dark world rest exactly we Exactly. Keep like... bringing it in and making it relevant because if you don't I'm remember like... those frost beasts were left in london during the events of thor the dark world and we're just like a loose thread dangling that nobody ever wanted tied up but here it is now <laughs> i know yeah could have
2: just made alex who was that explanation for of course we all remember the finer <laughs> points of thor the dark world <laughs>
1: I, mean, I will never oh God. forget because the because they saved the reveal that the frost beasts were still in london for the very end of the movie <laughs> like it was the end <laughs> credit scene like we had the mid-credit scene where thor comes back and kisses jane even though it really wasn't jane it was uh chris hemsworth's actual wife in a jane wig because uh natalie portman refused to appear in that scene because <laughs> she hated <laughs> the movie so much and then you're like okay well that was kind of weird but like because we don't really see her face or whatever but i'm sure the end scene is going to be cool and then it's just the frost beasts kind of like roaming around that yeah. industrial park on the outside of london they, so I they will did never it forget this
0: is they either- did it for you they did it for alex they were like hold on a minute we heard you about the horror dark world and we're gonna do this right. just for you <laughs>
2: That's either Kevin Feige, like, when, when Thor The Dark World came out, being like, hang on. This is going to pay off at a later date, or it's Kevin Feige being told last month, like, "Hey, we never paid off that thing," and him going, "Fuck," and just you No, no.
1: he's that, that's him being like, "I'm going to make my worst movie be as relevant <laughs> as it possibly can be." First, I, I feel he very trolled. Said he's in Endgame. Now it's in Secret Invasion for some
0: reason. <laughs> We're being trolled, guys. Kevin Feige is trolling us. This is this is yes. his way of of showing. Love, I wish you would show it differently. Show it differently. Don't <laughs> love us so much and troll the re- us this way. The
1: reason why the reason why the Marvel pulled out of Comic Con is because he was planning on going on stage with a frost beast baseball cap. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, yeah, if you can't do it, they won't appreciate it.
0: And he's like, Forget it, I'm pulling out, we're done here. <laughs> Throws his hat yeah. off in disgust and walks away. Um, but let's talk about it, guys. So, of course, we know graphics trying to lure the heroes of earth to come and show up. So that way they can make these super scrolls. So you guys, I want to know who do y'all think, do y'all think anybody's actually going to show up and, and who oh, do y'all, who do y'all think? I want to hear your, I, I want to hear your theories here.
2: I have one. Cause I thought I didn't know. I didn't think his plan was necessarily to lure. I'm just going to say the Avengers. Right. To them so that they could replicate their powers. <clears throat> I thought he was saying we've taken measures to, be prepared for mm-hmm. when humans send their heroes at us, which if you live in this world is, yeah, if you're trying to take over the world, the one thing you have to re- like ha- be prepared for is a throwdown with its mightiest heroes. So I thought they were I thought they already have the extremists. They've got the group powers, all of these other things. That's their plan is just have an army of that level super soldiers ready to combat the Avengers. And then, yeah, if they manage to uh, replicate like Bucky a little bit, like that'll be great too down the line, but they're prepared for a fight with the Avengers. Um, Yeah. And that's why I think,
0: okay. Yeah. And that's why I
2: think Alex, your, your theory about Amelia Clark having given herself superpowers is so smart because I don't think we're really going to get anything beyond maybe big, maybe a, captain marvel marie lebeau um wait is that her name uh monica or, uh, Mon- rambo. monica uh, monica uh, rambo. rambo yeah uh i was i was mashing her and gambit together i think um remy lebeau yeah remy yeah <laughs> yes, I, yes. I, I yeah <laughs> that was be great though Mike yeah and, uh, gambit ah. yeah
1: T-bumped
2: um them. Maybe like a, a The Marvels kind of tie in, but I don't think we're going to get anything like Avengers level proper. I would love to be wrong about that. But I think for the final set piece, whatever it may be, we've clearly already got Gravic Super Skrulls. Um, we're going to need some good guy scrolls, And I think Amelia, g- good guy Super scrolls, And I think Amelia Clark being one uh, is great. And, uh, you know, her plus maybe one of the Marvels would be would be quite a thing.
1: Yeah, Ooh. I definitely don't think we're seeing any cameos in this. I think that this is going to feature a tease for the Marvels in the kind of mid credit scene. Um, they dropped a line in episode one or episode two about how all the scrolls are here except for the ones that are in Emperor-whatever's prison camp. I think that we're going to find out that captain marvel has been on the other side of the universe trying to liberate those scrolls from that prison camp and that's going to be where she is at the start of the marvels when her quantum entanglement stuff gets involved and she ends up with uh with miss marvel's uh appearance for very frustratingly um so i think that's what's going to happen i think that that's they drop that in for us to know like to orient us about where she's headed because and i honestly hate that because i feel like so much of this is recrimination over The 30 years that have passed, that Nick Fury has let these people down. And it's like, where was Carol? throughout this whole thing yes. right she promised yes. to do this and it's like I think that part of it that like they clearly put these scenes in where in episode 2 where Nick Fury is specifically making a deal with them which Carol is mentioned but not actually a part of where he says you help me and me and Carol Danvers will help you but she's not there and she probably never heard about this because it seems like at the end of Infinity War uh, the, la- the first time that he's tried to contact her in decades is when he like hits that beeper so I think she never knew about this plan and I think that that was Fury being shady Fury like he always is so I think that that they're trying to make us feel like well this is all really on Fury because he made this deal with them that Carol really had nothing to do with but I think that that's bullshit because then of Captain Marvel she literally makes it her mission to find a place in the universe for the for the Skrulls so like what the hell she needs to answer (laughs) for that
2: but her being off like rescuing a bunch that were in a like in some prison planet would be a pretty 35 okay, years later her. though
1: like what else were you doing carol you know
2: <laughs> maybe it's a really tough prison plan yeah like, yeah well maybe she's she fighting frostbiz
1: straight through a like a star destroyer man she's very uh, powerful
0: maybe she's fighting Frostbees, guys maybe she's with I the Frostbees, trying to track like, them down yeah. in london she's 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 I hanging out with the Frostbees, wearing a Frostbeast. i, I hope cat.
1: she's just gotten distracted with her romance with valkyrie and you know that's that's what i'm really rooting for <laughs> yes
0: well i you know i was starting to wonder because you know we've there have been several scroll superheroes or at least like that have kind of come in and impersonated you know, you had i think in the comics like i think what 98 captain america they had a scroll captain america at one point um electra mm-hmm. electra yeah, was a, a scroll exposes a scroll wolverine at one point was it's a you know, at least there's Ooh. there's some substitutions there i'm wondering if do y'all think well, or even sp-
1: my my understanding is that at a certain point during the Secret Invasion comic book arc, uh, Marvel decided that they could just use scrolls as a retcon for all of the bad deaths that they had done or all of the times that people had lost a character for the, like the last 10 or 15 years of comic books. So like people who like Mockingbird who died in the comics like, "Oh, she wasn't really dead. She was she was kidnapped by the scrolls. That was a scroll that died." Like I think that happened with like a lot of characters. Um, okay. I love it for marvel to undo some bad continuity mistakes uh in their universe with that but i don't i don't think we're seeing that anytime soon
0: but any thoughts on the fantastic four showing up because that's a name that's been floating around also with some of the have not been cast yet yeah (laughs) or so it would seem so
1: it 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 seems pretty strongly that they have not yet been cast
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i guess they don't need to cast them to like i don't know just like have Fury walk into the Baxter Building or something like that. Would
1: that, be, guys, would that be exciting for you if it ends with Fury walking into the Baxter Building and that's our big tease?
2: Don't, don't! How dare you? Don't make me say yes to you because the answer is yes. Come on, we
1: need higher standards. I know you're uh... right, but.
0: Oh, you have to man. give us a little bit more. At least mm. give
1: us like that little cartoon robot that was in the Fast yes. Fantasy Four for a while. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, let's let's have a see Herbie. Come on, <laughs>
2: you're you're right, and you're right. But it's like it's like when people say Chips Ahoy are bad cookies. They're right, but I'm still gonna <laughs> yeah. eat one. <laughs> the chewy ones are good. I like the chewy chips Ahoy cookies. Yeah. Those
0: are good cookies. Those are good ones. Those are good ones. But, you know, well, I, I, you know, Tyler, I'm really liking your, I'm liking it. I'm liking this whole discussion. Alex, I want to hear, I want you to put your, your tinfoil hat on here. You're giving us some good stuff here. Like, where do you think we're going? You know, where where so, do you think we're going forward for these last three episodes?
1: Well, I think that well, I gave you kind of my entire pitch for episode four, and it was so good that we know that's That's not going to happen because that's always what happens. (laughs) Whenever (laughs) I come up with a really good idea, they don't do it. So I'm sure that's not going to actually happen, but it would be cool if it did. I think that I just think we're going to get like Scroll versus Scroll. It's going to be Gravic versus Amelia Clark. Super Scroll versus Super Super Scroll. I think Talus probably ends up dying on this show at some point um, because you know it's like if Amelia Clark wants to ascend to true heroism, her dad has to die, you know, I feel like that's gonna happen. Um, but I most want uh Carol Danvers to uh come out and uh, expose the fact that she's in a committed relationship with Valkyrie. And she has adopted a scroll baby who happens to be named Teddy. Who's going to be part of the Young Avengers <laughs> whenever that happens. And get and meet his love, Billy, um, who is Wanda's son, of course. That's the fan fiction yeah. that I want to happen in the world. I know it won't. But, you know, I mean, it was just Pride Month. So I can, I can hold on to that go. for just go. a little bit longer. Come on,
0: Kevin Feige. If you can force frost Jack, like force like frost Beast. come on this is awesome writing right here this is this is, yeah. this, is this is like the story that you want to tell there's so much you good stuff have, this is a great fan you made us spend so much time in Jotunheim. give yes. me a little bit of of
1: <laughs> queer love
0: yes please please and like beautiful story it's uh, that whole thing alex they should just hire you marvel yeah hire. thanks hire. i'm just saying <laughs> we're gonna put what... our pitch out there sure
1: i mean if you like what i have to say about these things you can listen to my mcu podcast that i do yeah. once a month with bill bodkin um where i have similar yes. uh, kind of flights of fancy yes. fancy
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i want to wear my tinfoil hat here for a second because we've been, of Please. course we've 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 heard nick fury over and over again he's lost his step he's lost a step guys there's a theory out there nick fury is a scroll have y'all heard that theory And you're like so apparently there's there's so kind of circling back so Alex you brought up Age of Ultron and kind of Mm -hmm. again this 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 long term gap here so so apparently you know of course we have Nick Fury's death official death over in in Winter Soldier but there was one point somebody brought up this point that I had seen it online and I was like oh okay that's actually really interesting so in Captain Marvel Nick Fury talks about how he can't eat a sandwich if it's been cut diagonally at all (laughs) Age of Ultron. He cuts a sandwich and eats it diagonally. Yeah, the movie that
1: takes place decades after that comment, but was made many years uh, before that comment.
0: (laughs) But I mean, if Nick Fury's a scroll, I mean, it's not really Nick Fury. Maybe that explains why he's losing a step
1: i gotta i don't mean to be rude to tyler but i just gotta shut this down like immediately because (laughs) if nick fury is actually a scroll that would be so cheap like you can't make us be invested in this character for this long this whole series and then be like haha actually he's not even real like that would be terrible but they've already teased the
0: idea because didn't they show him as a scroll was it it was spider-man wasn't it where he was a scroll? yeah
1: Yeah, but he was talented. it was 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 you know He's our friend. That's different.
2: Here's my thing. I'm Alex. I'm with you. I don't, I don't like it. I don't want it. I think it's a twist for twist's sake, but one thing to consider is that we, the only reason to do it would be to justify that the Marvels seems to open with Nick Fury back in space. And I've been in the back of my head throughout this entire series. I'm like, what a bummer it would be if this ends with Nick Fury you know effing off to space again and if he never actually left that would explain it and this has been a scroll the whole time who's maybe lost a step but i am with you alex that's i'm 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 not into it
1: yeah because okay so here's the thing like there's just no reason dramatically that that would make sense at all it just would only be for shock value and that's a terrible reason to do it is
0: but look at disney though (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's that's why i'm like This is frightening me because I think it's a terrible idea too. I'd be really upset about it unless Nick Fury has something. It's an ultimate mastermind where he's not left space at all, but he's delegated some of that out. I don't know.
1: There's no way that that works. But but for Tyler's point, what I think this series is setting up is, you know, Gravik ultimately gets, you know, undone. Maybe we find out that what Fury was doing on that spaceship was, like, using, like, high-end crazy technology to scout out new planets and for the scrolls, And he's just keeping that close to the vest. And I think that he kind of ends up
2: Ooh. on that
1: space, on that space station again, specifically to honor his promise of finding them a homeland because they're not going to stay on Earth after they almost cause World War Three, right? That's yeah. not going to. They, they have not helped <laughs> their case in terms of tolerance on that front. So I think he's going to finally live up to his promise at the end of this by saying, "I'm going to find you a home planet for real this time," and that's how he's going to get, like you know, sucked into the whole the Marvels.
0: Thing I like that's that. happening. I do too. Also. Do you- also, oh, I, I say- don't
1: think you need like he's on a space station, but like he doesn't have to be there a hundred percent of the time. Like, surely there's like shuttles where he could like you know stop home every few months and then come back. Like he doesn't he doesn't have to be like you know
0: exiled on that space station to
2: see his wife. I was about <laughs> to
0: say, I, I was going to ask you guys if y'all thought ultimately he'd stay if his wife if his wife makes it because you never know with Disney. That's true. Know. You never know with Disney. You never know with Marvel. We don't.
2: Yes, we don't so far always know.
1: We're but two for two in terms of female characters who have died exactly. to motivate their male <laughs> counterparts. Exactly.
2: Ex- exactly. Also, okay not tell... to, not to further spike the ball in the uh, sandwich theory's face, but. <laughs> The the Skrulls have developed a technology where when they take over a person, they take over their memories and things like that. So a Skrull would theoretically know the whole sandwich thing. Oh God, I hate myself. I will I I will give to you both and the listener my lunch money if you ask for it. I, this is this is insane.
1: Yeah, I also that I mean, also just makes me remi- that reminds me of one of the things that I hated most about Captain Marvel, a movie that I genuinely liked was that scene that you're talking about because it's completely illogical because she's like tell me something that only you would know it's yes like, you don't know him how would that help you yeah. like he could just yeah. be lying right now it never made any sense it's just there as exposition for that for like the audience but it makes no logical sense that that would have passed a test
0: by her at all but when is marvel again we got thor the dark world guys marvel doesn't always make sense it, it doesn't I mean, they are <laughs> having these terrible storytelling I, is, okay,
1: I, so I have to. Since we're in tinfoil hat territory, and we're okay. talking, about, I keep referencing my podcast, "Bill Versus the MCU." Uh, this month, we're starting our Agents of Shield uh, series. Uh, we're we're doing uh, we're doing episodes from season one, season two, and season four. Season three, we don't really need to talk about. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> big kind of fan theories online is that some of the characters from Agents of Shield will be coming on this show. Uh, three episodes in. I don't really think that's happening anymore if I ever did, but I'm curious if you guys think there's a chance that we might get a Daisy Johnson or uh, a AKA Chloe Bennett, or or maybe a, a Clark Gregg appearance on this before it were all oh, said man. and done.
0: I, I feel like maybe Clark Gregg the most, if they need the boost. Cause I mean, he always, it's, it, he always adds a little bit of intrigue wherever he goes and yeah, it shows and- up in the Marvel universe. It kind of sets the stage that something bigger is coming So I could see him showing up more so than anybody else on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Again, people are already familiar with him being in the overall movies and just kind of the bigger picture as a whole. Um, So I could see Clark Gregg showing back up. I still feel like, you know, I'm with Tyler. I still feel like we're going to get more of a Marvel, like the Marvel's tie. We're going to have to get Carol Danvers or something to tie back to that because of the, the story that's been told so far. And again, the Marvels is the next big thing coming out for Marvel. They've got to tie back to it somehow. Please, God, no more bad movies like Thor Dark Thunder or Dark World with Frostbeast because that would be awful. If you're going to give me something, give me again another Ragnarok and rock and bring back my grandmaster because I love Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <heart>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Tyler? Yeah. So wait, so the original question was what, Alex?
1: Do you think that some agents of shield characters right. are going to crash onto the uh, show before it's said and done? Specifically, <laughs> Chloe Bennett and Clark Gregg are the two big, like, major ticket items that people really want to see, if not think will
0: happen.
2: Yes. Thank you. Thank you for indulging my goldfish memory. Um, <laughs> yes, I think, um, you know, I didn't I didn't stick with agents of shield. I think I got somewhere into season three and then just kind of petered off. Um
1: sounds but, like you should listen to our podcast and watch along with us. It would be a oh, fun experience for you.
2: Well, I'll listen along. I don't know about watching. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> but um, no. Uh, season four is podcast. really good. I love it's, listening the best, to it. it's the best season of the show. That's I've why we're heard. And you're probably
2: full. right. It's, um, trust me.
1: I've watched a lot of bad comic book TV shows over the years. Maybe this I one I'll, included.
2: <laughs> I guess I'll ask you then, since you're sort of the authority here on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right now, it doesn't feel like a agents of shield cameo would necessarily fit into the tone of this show um but you know uh, that's that's based on seasons like one and two watched you know years ago when it was on abc um but it just feels like chloe bennett's character coming at this stage would be a little too um like i don't know it just it just wouldn't fit tonally with this grounded spy thriller we're having um, so especially it's when a grounded so spider to...
1: that seems to be headed towards superpowers. True. And Chloe Bennett is the only character on Agents of Shield that had true superpower. She was an inhuman, after all, of Let's Never Forget. Um and you know, I don't <laughs> want to spoil things for people who maybe haven't seen all of Agents of shield, but I'll just speak very vaguely that Agents of Shield ends with her character sort of in space on a mission to kind of like civilize the the is the space basically. Oh. Oh. So there are ways continuity wise that she could appear. It just feels like if that was going to happen I, there would have been needing to be breadcrumbs this deep into this season for that to actually happen. So I think that on paper it could make sense but I, I have lost hope that that's going to happen honestly. <laughs>
2: Yeah. It'd also just be hard for me to swallow that, Um, you know, when there is a World War Three Earth being taken over by aliens threat, Nick Fury reaches for his phone and calls Quake as opposed to any of the other Avengers.
1: But he could call Coulson and Coulson can get in contact with Quake yeah? because... Well that's true. Yeah. Quake is basically Colson's Coulson. surrogate daughter uh, by the end yeah. of the show. Well, actually pretty close to the start of the show. Um, and so I just, that could be the phone call that he could make, you know. Of course, it's also I crazy. what the deal is with Coulson by the end of Season 7 of Agent of <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D., because it is wild shit. Uh, we will not talk about that now.
0: <laughs> but go it listen to the so- podcast, though. Go listen yes. to Bell vs. Agents of
2: S.H.I.E.L.D. If Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. never happened, it would be such a good idea for them to be like, oh, in, in, in 2012, Loki actually killed Skrull Coulson. And yeah, he well, yeah. would have turned green right away,
1: so then we would have known uh, he was a Skrull. So oh, that's right. true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. But, but we do I mean know Coulson- that he
0: changed he faked the blood on the cards so maybe it
1: wasn't really red blood you know that's true
0: yeah so I could see Colson realistically coming back or at least a yeah. little cameo a little even if they don't show him completely on the screen it's very quick that phone call that's brilliant
2: yeah I'm here or for and it and Clark Clark Gregg is you know what's what's he doing writing what lies beneath two he can come he's happy to come reprise his role (laughs) as Coulson
0: I just
1: that's my favorite factoid about Clark Gregg is that he wrote that movie
2: (laughs) I can't yeah
0: I that blew me away when I heard that and then of course well he could always do in the lip sync battle which he was great at by the way did you see the lip sync battle episode he was on the whole air the whole stewardess outfit and everything I'm here for it like I was like, all right, Clark Greg, <laughs> I was, love you even more now.
1: <laughs> this is just reminding me of when Agents of Shield and Agent yeah. Carter's cast did like rival dub smash, uh, like runs online, and just and they were like they just wanted somebody to pay attention to their TV shows. Nobody cared. <laughs> but it was what a time cute. to be
2: alive! Oh yeah,
1: we are we are blessed with these gems, and I love it. I'm here for I it. T- it's, these are things that should not exist in my brain and yet they do like what and, yeah. cherished childhood memory was deleted so that I could remember that Haley Atwell <laughs> and Chloe Bennett were having dub smashed back and forth like 2014 oh man
0: well well, now that we know what memories would actually get transferred to your scroll <laughs> form yeah. um, there are so I, many from this they podcast they never
1: find the password I mean, if she was looking through my <laughs> memories by picture it would just be a total disaster <laughs>
0: I I think that would be for all of us on this podcast. It it would yeah. it would be all over the place. It'd be like, wow. Like my score would be like, why is this girl so thirsty for Harrison Ford, Jeff Goldblum? Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of thirst here, and there's nothing of real substance here. I'm seeing and, Tom and then, Holland you
1: know, and Timothy Chalamet fanfic. This isn't gonna help us solve the nuclear oh, sub problem.
0: I'm here for this. I now know. I have now I have Tom Holland's umbrella lip sync battle in my head, which is fantastic, by the way. That never watch it, I head, I head, I That so. never leaves my head forever.
2: <laughs> not to speak not to speak in these kind of t- Terms, but if you come to this planet and you don't understand why Harrison Ford is sexy, you can get off.
0: Exactly. Get out of here. Go on. Get, get, get. Um, you know, and then Tom Cruise's stunts randomly out of nowhere. They'd be like, who is this guy that just keeps trying to kill himself oh, no. in if, every movie with his stunts? If they're
1: not from Earth, they know oh. who Tom Cruise is. Look. Oh, this is true.
0: They're like, God, hey, fearless leader, you know. <laughs> well on that note guys um of course we'll we'll kind of bring things we start wrapping things up with our our ratings here kind of what you know we've we've had this has been a great episode thank you guys both of y'all for for coming in um this is always fun for me i i love i love podcasting with you guys so much this is just this is so much fun for me so thank you guys for making my week and of course for brightening all of our listeners weeks because there's some there was some great stuff discussed here so please 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 give a listen Support your local podcasters. Lots of love for not-so-couple goals. Maybe maybe we'll get-
1: one For the price of one cup of coffee a day, you can support exactly. your local you podcasters. Support a
0: local exactly. exactly. So guys, we've talked about a lot of good stuff. There's a lot to digest here. And this is just like less than 24 hours after seeing this episode air. So we, we had a lot here. What are your ratings? And I'm going to ask Alex, do you have a rating system that we could use? I'm going to ask you to channel your Al. Yeah, and give one us to a ten good fake deaths. Okay, want <laughs> to take fake deaths. Okay, guys. Alex, what would you rate this episode on 1 to 10 fake deaths? I would
1: say a 7.
0: I think that this is the best
1: episode of the series so far. It was the first one that really felt that like tension, that spy thriller angle. And it really let Ben Mendelsohn come into his own in a way that I appreciated. We didn't really talk about uh, Kingsley ben like at all, <laughs> which is kind yeah. of a big uh, omission on our part. But I thought he was very good in this episode as well. I think that they're kind of, you know, he clearly has extremis in his veins. We know that that kind of makes people go crazy. And I think that they're kind of leaning into that. They're kind of slowly building up the idea of like maybe he is getting more and more un unhinged as uh the powers yeah, in different into his body
0: yeah he does yeah, so,
1: so i think i think they're playing up that angle and i think that he's doing a great job playing that as well so i, I liked a lot of this but i've also talked about the things that i didn't like so much and i just hope we kind of like lean into the parts that are working and, and leave the leave the past behind us uh in this final second half so it's a it's a seven it's an optimistic seven but i hope but there's a chance that this is the best episode of the season which would be a bummer
0: oh <laughs> yeah that's uh oh, well hopefully hopefully it gets better from here it can only get, <laughs> get better right right yeah. so uh tyler no, what is it could your get worse yeah it could oh, definitely get more worse. frost more frostbys guys you can find those frostbees. um so tyler <laughs> what would you rate this episode from one to ten fake deaths
2: uh, from one to ten, fake deaths. I think I'll also give it a seven. But uh, you know, the listener should read my seven a little different from Alex's because I gave the past two episodes, uh, episode one I gave an eight, and episode two I gave a nine, respectively. So oh wow, this was this was good. I really liked it. Uh, what's obviously been lighting up my brain about this series is the spy thriller aspect of it all. I think it's been really well done. I think there's been a lot of really subtle uh things going on, subtle spy world building happening. Now it's episode three. We kind of know the stakes. We kind of know the characters. And this was a very good episode. It built a lot of character. It explained a lot of corners of the MCU, namely like uh, Nick Fury's, how he became Nick Fury and and the sort of mystery behind him and all of that stuff. The only reason I'm sort of docking at a point is just because it felt like it didn't necessarily move the plot forward a lot, nor did it really set up anything we didn't already know. Um, so, you know, for and 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 when it comes to like the spy thriller aspect of it all, it had those elements, but it also leaned a lot more into, like we've been talking about, the super scroll setup of it all, which I'm obviously a big fan of superhero stuff. I am a huge MCU person uh, as evident by the fact that I'm always on these podcasts. Uh, but this tonally felt like it was a, a bit of a different jump for this show uh, that I didn't like quite as much. But, you know, you kind of need these these uh, uh, lower points to set up the, whatever's going to happen next. And I think if Talos learns that his daughter is dead, whether that's real or fake, we're going to see something that really wouldn't be as potent if we didn't get a lot of what we got in this episode. But as a standalone, I'm going to go seven.
1: Okay. So, Amanda, I say it's the best episode of the season so far. Tyler says it's the worst episode of the season so far. But still a great Where episode. Do you fall?
2: Oh, man.
0: So I am kind of, I'm a little meh. About it, I feel like this is definitely a mid-season episode. So for me, it was still really mm. strong. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. It was still it was still really strong. Um, but I I feel like it was kind of like the Two Towers for Lord. You know, if you're watching, you know, the Lord of the Rings franchise here, you know, it was kind of it was good. You got your battle, you got your, but it was it felt a little it was a little, um, still a little flat in some elements in terms of some of the storytelling. For me, I didn't agree with Amelia, how Amelia Clark's character was handled necessarily. We've talked about that. Um, that was a big, that was a big thing for me because again, she's such a compelling character and you, you had this build for her and it, there was nothing that came from that. You missed, I was like, you were building her and then we went straight to this part of her. And then she's allegedly dead. I say allegedly in quotations. And, I'm like, well what happened? You know, so I really wanted more Amelia Clark. I feel like again Ben Mendelsohn just knocked it out of the park. And I I do yeah. Alex, we did not you're right, we did not talk about Gravick enough and Kingsley does a great job. And I think it's just it's just a beautiful way of setting up the contrast, you know, between Gravick and Talos and their styles. And really I think making Talos a more sympathetic, relatable character that you're going to get behind him naturally because you have somebody who's so cold and ruthless and you know and then but you also feel sorry at the same time for kingsley because you know his portrayal still very nuanced because you see this kid that you know he's a refugee and he was just he was just basically you know it he was stiffed and just you know um and just you know this is how you cope with it you cope with that loss of a dream that it's like you know i'm gonna do whatever i need to do to make that come true um regardless of who's in my way i'm gonna I'm going to do what I need to do, whether my hands are bloody or not. Um, so I really love the, the performances here. And again, I love the, the, the fact that Taylor that Taylor's is stepping up. It's, it's, it, this is, so there's a lot here that was really, really good. Again, I just, I feel like Amelia Clark was wasted in this episode. Um, I also struggled with the lack of Olivia Coleman. I need more Olivia Coleman in my life. Uh, although I did like the fact that she named her owl Nick Fury and put the tiny eye patch on it. That was gold. <laughs> that was cool she I'm makes so the most we got
1: to that before this episode
0: ended. yeah oh we should have done it. dang we should have rated it on like one uh what is it one to ten oh, little yeah. nick fury owls owl, eye patches. owl <laughs> eye patches tiny owl eye patches um but but just she owns commands every scene whether it is microseconds or a longer scene i needed more olivia coleman And I hope we get more, but I feel like, I feel like, again, this is a mid season and I hope the next three episodes, Disney has this, we know this, um, where it's kind of struggles along the midway and the last half is really good. So I'm hoping they still follow that formula. So I'm going to be an optimistic seven and a half.
1: Okay. Yeah, this this is making me just remind me all of the reasons why I love Olivia Coleman so much. Like it's, I'm, I'm I'm like this close to watching that like mediocre Great Expectations miniseries that came out in the springtime just because she's in it. Ugh. I just rewatched The Crown, her
0: season of The Crown was great. I love right. her. I
1: mean, you know, the favorite is just like iconic Olivia Coleman. Oh, if yeah. you want to see her as a queen, oh like, yeah, that is her as a queen. Just yeah. You- binge eating cake and screaming at little people <laughs> that just like doesn't get any better than that
0: Olivia we love you if you ever want to just jump on this podcast one day with us we will gladly take oh, yeah. you please please It'd be so lovely I'd have to come on please. for that can you uh, imagine yeah. if
2: that's all you had to do <laughs>
0: just, oh, just ask her oh nicely. <laughs> I was like you know what you can cut off my finger it's fine I will take the torture <laughs> for the team so we can hear this podcast and as long as you bring the tiny ugly owl with the little eye patch just please bring the bring the little nick fury we are here for it and please here are please um but anyway but again thank you guys so much for being here and and again it's it's always an honor it's a privilege and we hope everybody listening enjoys this episode and continues to watch series and support podcasts support the pop break don't forget to check it out there's a lot of great content that's curated every day Uh, Whether you're an anime fan, Star Wars fan, pop culture fan in general, wrestling, all the things are on thepopbreak.com. So before we wrap up, guys, please tell us where to find you on social media. So I'm going to go ahead and and have our resident guest. Thank you again, Tyler, for for being on with us and joining us. Where can people find you on social media?
2: Of course. Thank you. This is such a treat for me. I love doing this. Um, People, you can find me for now on Twitter at Tyler McCarthy. Uh, if you're interested in seeing some of my writing, I'm writing across all the NBC Universal um, editorial brands, so that's USA Insider, NBC Insider, Sci Fi. Um, you know, I work a little bit of Oxygen, Bravo, everything. Um, so go check those out; they're they're a good time. Um, and if you're interested in hearing me podcast more, as mentioned a few times on this episode, thank you all again for the uh, the kind words. But I do a podcast on the Pop Break uh, Today feed with my lovely wife, Allie Nelson called not couple goals where we review and politely roast, uh, romantic thrillers. We've done a lot. Um, sometimes it's just us. Other times we have cool guests, including both of the people who on who are on this podcast. Uh, it's, it's a great time. Please, uh, give it a listen.
0: Awesome. Again, thank you. Thank you so much, Tyler. Again, I love, love your podcast. It's so awesome. Um, in fact, thank funny, st- funny story. We were playing, um, We were playing this like kind of charades type of game, or no, it was like you had to give different clues and you're blindfolded, so you can't see, but you just you have to listen to everybody's clues, guess what the word is, and then eventually you have to create a dream using all of the clues and the words that you guessed correctly. It's insanely tough, but one of the words that's cool. (laughs) It is, it is. Brandon nailed it, just nailed it. I, on the (laughs) other hand, was a complete mess because I'm like, huh? Oh, distracted. Okay. ADD. Hello. Um, but one of the words, he didn't even have to say much. I think the word was kink or something like that. And he's like, scarfing. I was like, kink. <laughs> <laughs> was, I, everyone around us is like, what? But because we had watched the movie, um, <laughs> we have been on the, we were,
2: of course I did the podcast with you guys. Yes. Please, let everyone <laughs> listening, listen to amanda's episode of not couple goals if you want to know what we're talking about
0: yeah so it's the best inside joke skypey that that was the clue and i went with it and nailed it so there you go Um, anyway on that note Alex, (laughs) tell us where people can find you on social media and feel sure, free to throw Skyfing in there if you if you want to. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm not sure what that is. So I'm definitely not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Um, but I, you can follow me on Letterboxd at MediaThinkings. Uh, I'm deleted Twitter from my phone. The rate limits was just a bridge too far for me. So I don't know mm. if I'm posting on Twitter anymore. Uh, but certainly my old links are there as, at Media Thinkings as well. Um, you can follow all my work that I do as podcast director by going on to thepoppery.com, clicking the podcast tab, seeing all the great podcasts. like this one and the ones discussed uh you could listen to as i said bill versus the mcu this month we're doing agents of shield We're doing the pilot we're doing the kind of the last uh eight episodes the last seven episodes basically episode 16 to 22 which is the fall of shields those are the, the of season one i should say the last uh, episodes of season one this is when marvel had the great idea to have a weekly television show and then they were they had all about shield and then they were like and we're gonna release a movie where shield uh turns out to be nazis um and we're gonna make it all happen while the show is airing on network television week to week so like we literally watched the episode just before mm-hmm. winter soldier and then winter soldier that was like on a tuesday winter soldier comes out on a friday and then the following tuesday uh we find out how how our friends at Shield figure like feel <laughs> that they've been working for Nazis? So we talk about that. It's actually a pretty crazy stretch of TV that's very worth uh, revisiting. Um, and uh, I have a pretty cool guest that uh, we're going to be uh, talking to uh, for that as well. So definitely check that out. Also, TV Break uh, comes out uh, in a couple in like next week. Uh, we reviewed the first two episodes of Secret Invasion. Uh, me, Josh Chernacki, and guest host uh, Courtney Stevenson of Blurred Watchers. So if you want to hear. Hear more of my thoughts about the first two episodes before i have seen this one because you know time travel uh, you can listen to that <laughs> um, we also talk about the top uh, top tv shows of 2023 so far we, we each gave three picks for that so that was a really fun discussion um Turns out uh, a show that was Courtney's number one was show that I actively um, dragged, like, literally seconds before she said it was her number one. So definitely tune in to hear what that was like, because that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Whoops.
0: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Again, thank you both for being on. And I... Stood in. I was the scroll for our wonderful editor, Bill Botkin. Um, please follow him on social media, but also continue to follow com on all social media platforms, primarily Instagram and Twitter. And so, you know, again, lots of great content. Visit the site daily. Um, and of course, y'all can find me at Amandalorian on Instagram and at Resnerschick on Twitter, where I just tweet and, you know, basically post photos, share stories about lots of anime, Star Wars. Marvel all the nerd content that's out there 90s nostalgia because who doesn't love the 90s um in late 80s cuz it's great and um and yeah and of course share my cosplay adventures we just actually attended a um small comic con here it was literally in an alley it was comic con in an alley hosted by Big oh. Texas Comic Con it was really neat you literally just just walked in an alley great cosplays out there um you know, we had Daft Punk out there in terms of some of our cosplayers I think Spawn with the head and uh it was yeah it was great jack no one on tried to
1: take your kidneys while you were in the alley
0: <laughs> <laughs> not this time actually <laughs> now who, who would shank ahsoka tano though only a fool would. Try. Uh, only a fool only a fool would have done that so mm-hmm. um you know you don't mess with ahsoka and obi-wan kenobi so there you go mm-hmm. um but yeah so that's that's where you guys can find me on social media and again thank you guys for being on here thank everybody for listening and we will see you guys next week I will not be here next week because I will be somewhere in Utah. <laughs> but, Bill will, but Bill will be back. And of course, Tyler, I'm, I'm hoping you'll be back. And so we're oh, sure. excited. Yeah, we're, we're excited. We will see what we're up to and see what scrolls come join us next week. So have a great night, everybody.
2: Oh God, she turned into Bill.